This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turn to the book of Mark, chapter 1. This is our key verse. We're talking about the birth of Jesus the Christ. Subtitle this, The Time is Fulfilled. And we're getting a look at the birth of Christ in relation to the gospel. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 reads, Now after that, John was put in prison. Jesus, not the baby Jesus. He wasn't lying in a manger at this time. But the man Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now, I know we're talking about the birth of Jesus Christ, but the birth was a means to an end. And the end was that the gospel might reach you and me. So there was a time for the birth, but there was a time also for the gospel to come to life. And when we see the birth, we cannot see the birth outside of the gospel. Otherwise, we will miss it. And I will say this. Scholars try to find when Jesus was born and they have an idea of the season and it's not believed to be winter. But nonetheless, uh, the important thing is that he was born. And it is important to us that he was born. And I don't know how to relate this to you, but in my mind, it was more important to God. I believe God was more excited about it than even you after you were born again. About the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we tried to, that's what I tried to uh, get over to you on this morning. That God is a God who works in the fullness of time. And everything has to be in place. And He's getting to a certain place here. And the reason why this is so important to God is because of the gospel. By the gospel, His wrath will be appeased. He will go from being disturbed to being pleased through the gospel. But in order for the blood to appease the wrath of God, first a body had to be prepared, a baby had to be born. Now turn with me to the book of Luke. We're going to spend some time in the book of Luke. We saw a few things this morning. One is that I did want you to see that, well, I turned to the book of Luke and I wanted you to see that the birth of Jesus, the Christ, God was going to make sure it was legitimate through and through. And not only that, this is so outstanding an occasion that when we look at the wise man, it makes us stop and think, how did science lead to the birth of this king who is worthy to be worshipped. And we found out the Bible tells us that creation groans. Creation is looking for salvation. And when we look at it, then we understand, yeah, the heavens do declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. And then we ask the question, what is this child? 
that the creature, creation, announces his arrival into the world. Because again, the birth of Jesus Christ marks the entrance into the world of the redemption and the redeemer of mankind. And creation says, pay attention. Uh, so keep your ribbon in Luke chapter 1 and turn back over. This is the last scripture we went to. We went to Isaiah chapter 35. Verses 3 through 6. It says, Strengthen ye the weak hands, and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, you know, and I, 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 I'll say this again as we look at the birth of Jesus Christ. There's a term that keeps coming up. It's fear not. It's a term that just keeps coming up. But it says, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. And so the last thing I wanted to leave you with is, who is this child? He is God. He's in flesh. And he's come to save us. Now, I told you Luke chapter 1. Let's look at Galatians first. Again, keep your ribbon Luke chapter 1. Let's look at Galatians Chapter 4. I told you that this is such a momentous occasion to God that the timing has to be right. And it's such a momentous occasion to God that He's going to personally put His hands on this work of bringing in the Son. And I want you to see that God does work in the fullness of times. So in Galatians chapter 4, verse number 1, we'll start at Verse number one, we'll read through uh, verse seven. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Now, let me make sure you understand this. The writer is using society and its habits to explain something spiritual here. So he's not talking about anything necessarily spiritual in the example. It's an example of the spiritual. He says, now I say that it's the heir, the person or the child who is in line to inherit it all. That child, as long as he is a child, though he is heir, differs nothing from a servant. Though he be Lord of all. Everything is his. But the time is not right. And while the time is not right, that heir, though everything is his, is Nothing different than a servant. Verse 2. That heir, who is a child, is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, this is our children state. That's when we were in bondage under the elements of the world. It's when we were lost. It's when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That's when... It felt good and we did it. That was us as children. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But, don't you like God's buts? But, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Again, I love this about God. God 
does not do anything too early. And God is not in such a rush that he's going to get anything out of its time. So even so, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God, because God's not going to do it early. He's going to do it in the fullness of the time. God, at the fullness of the time, when that time had come, not before, he sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. To what purpose? To redeem them that were under the law. That we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more servant. Let that sink in. Wherefore, you're no more servant. Let that sink in. Wherefore, you're no more servant, but a son. The time has come. Again, our key verse. <laughs> the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. God said it's time. And because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Look, God is not going to do anything out of time. And we've been learning as a ministry. It's been ministered to us over the course of more than a year of the value of time. Now, all of this that comes after the fullness of time would not have come if he didn't do it at the right time. Hmm. Having the right timing makes the difference between success and failure. Now, I'm not going to spend too long on this, but I do want you to pay attention to the society in which we live. This capitalistic, money-hungry society is competition every day. And the companies we work for, companies we do business for, they're in the habit of releasing products. And they're always in a scramble to be the first to release. And they're in such a scramble to be the first to release, they'll release a product before it's fully ready. And they know the people that buy their products. Can I say it this way? This is just my vernacular. Don't be mad at me. But they know we don't have any sense. Even though every time we get the first of whatever it is that comes out first and we see that it's broken, we're still hungry to be the first to get the next first. It's a prestige thing. It makes you look bigger than somebody else. And see, that mentality creeps into the church and that ain't right. <laughs> no, it's not right. You know, because it is about being in a hurry to look a certain way. And what companies will do is they release something when it's not ready. And we'll have this mentality. We'll do something at the last minute. Even though it's not ready, we'll deliver it anyway. But it's the difference between success and failure. Now, here's the thing about this, all right? You're not going to hell because you do something out of time. But I will say this. God is an excellent God. And if anyone deserves excellence, our God deserves excellence. We've got to watch what we do when we minister before God. Just because it's something to do doesn't mean we should do it if it is not prepared. If it is not ready. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Some of you need to pray on that. See, because many times we're in a rush and we think that we have to do something, but the something we're about to do is not well prepared. And we're in a rush to do it and we haven't taken the time. 
to make sure it was done properly. And we release it anyway and think God ought to accept it. But God works in the fullness of time. He's teaching us a lesson. He's not asking us to do something he himself doesn't do. He works in the fullness of time. So if you will, God was excited about the birth, but he was not in a hurry. He was excited about it, but not in a hurry. Again, this is something we, if there's anything we should really spend our time teaching our children outside of uh, Jesus being the Savior of the world, is patience. Patience will benefit you naturally and spiritually. Hmm. But timing is valuable. And God does everything in the right time. Now turn to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1. And we'll do some reading. And what I want you to see is how momentous of an occasion this is to God. And the witness of it is the activity that goes on. Now, again, you'll bear with me as we read through a lot of this. Now, I do like the gospel according to Luke. Luke seems to be a little bit more on the meticulous side when he's writing and some of the details he gives that aren't found necessarily in the, in the other gospels. But starting at verse number five. Again, some of this we've already read through, but, but bear with me. There's some things I want you to see. There was, in the days of Herod the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. So they're old, they're past the childbearing ages. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. So he's in there. He's executing the office, his lot, to offer incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now, again, I want, you, I want to make sure you see this. And we're going to see this time and time again. But God sends an angel to Zacharias. So we have this spiritual activity that is going on. I can only imagine his fear because he's been in there, I don't know how many times. And he's an old man. He's done this so many times and no one has ever showed up in there with him. So here's this angel. <laughs> and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not. Fear not, Zacharias. For thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Now I want you to get this. The angel appears. That's miraculous in itself. And then this old woman who's past childbearing age is going to conceive. Here's another miracle in itself. Hmm. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias. For thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Now, now, now again, I, I want you to see this following up. So here's an angel appearing, miraculous in itself. 
Now, Elizabeth was going to have a child when she's older than women who should be having a child. That's a miracle in itself. And then this child is going to be filled with the Holy Ghost from the womb. And he's not even the Messiah. <laughs> wow. You see, something miraculous is going on. Verse 15 again, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Again, I want you to understand this. This is unheard of. Unheard of that a child would be filled with the Holy Ghost from the womb. Hmm. This is a prophet's prophet here. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, uh, we'll read it. And Zechariah said unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And here again, verse number 19. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. <laughs> I'm like, I like that. I just like that. Say, so, do you know who I am? I'm Gabriel. That stand in the presence of God. Again, I want you to get this. He stands in the presence of God and am sent. Who sent him? God. To speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. Now, again, I just want you to see the power that is going on at the birth even of John. Again, and I'm not going to read through all of this. And you, you know the rest that, that uh, Gabriel said, you didn't believe me, so you'll be dumb. Zacharias couldn't speak. He came out. People were waiting for him like, man, this man's taking a long time. Is he dead? He came out. He couldn't speak. And they understood that he had a vision. And so then he went home. He went home, got with Elizabeth. Elizabeth evidently believed his report. She conceived. And verse 25, thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. So by this time, it says in verse 24, she's five months pregnant. And here's what I find interesting. God is doing a miraculous work. And what he's doing is he, is he is taking away the reproach of Elizabeth. And you know what he's going to do with Mary? He's going to put on her a reproach. This is an amazing thing that's going on. God is doing some work here. Now, now, let's keep reading verse 26. So now Elizabeth is five months pregnant. And in verse 26, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, now, Gabriel is working. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Don't you know angels work? Hallelujah. Glory to your name. I wonder what we're going to do in that great kingdom. I wonder if we're going to sit back around the pool. Have our umbrella and the tea and drink and sip all day. I wonder if there's work for us. But Gabriel here is busy. So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, again, you've got to understand this. He's about to say, you're going to be pregnant and you won't not have slept with a man. And it's going to look bad 
But don't worry about what it looks to man. You're blessed and highly favored with God. So again, so here we have another miraculous angel visit. It's starting to pile up here. Verse 28 again says, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not. Amen. Glory to your name. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. You know what was so amazing to me? It's people running around having visions. And they're never afraid at their visions. But here the angels visit, and when the angels show up, everybody's always afraid. And these are devout people. These are righteous people. These are people walking in the ways of God. And the angels have to calm them down. So don't believe everything everybody always tells you about the visions that they have. This is why I, I try to calm people down. Don't think because someone tells you they had some great miraculous experience that you're not a believer and God's not with you because you don't have it. They might be lying. And to be honest with you, miraculous things don't happen that often. They didn't in biblical times. And they don't today. But God is still faithful. And the angel said unto her, verse 30, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no End. Now, I just got to stop here and say this because we live in a government or under a government and uh, this governor of the United States has a president that presides, head chief officer, if you will, of the country. And this is, we're talking about the birth of Jesus the Christ. And I want you to understand this. Jesus refers to his humanity. He is the son of David. He is the son of man. That's Jesus. But Christ is a little bit different. And I, I term it Jesus the Christ so that you can understand a little bit better. And again, these are human terms for a holy God. So they will fall short. Okay? Because Jesus the man, Christ the position. And this position is a position that cannot be held by man. It is a deified position. That can only be held by God. Now in this country, like I said, we, we have a government and we have a president who presides. You know, and, and don't get mad at me. You know, somewhere along the line, I'm missing somebody you don't like. It doesn't, doesn't matter. But the truth of the matter is, we've had a president. Uh, we have a president now whose name is Donald Trump. He is now called the president. Before him, we had another president called Barack Obama. Before him, there was another one called George W. Bush. Before him, another one, Bill Clinton, or William Clinton, William Jefferson Clinton was his name. Now, now, and there are more before them. And they all were able to occupy the office of the president. Now, all of them that I mentioned are still alive today. 
But there's only one that occupies the office. And even though they don't occupy the office today, they still have the privilege of being called Mr. President. But yet, their governments, their administrations have come to an end. And don't worry, you might not like the president now, but his administration is going to come to an end. See, but that's president. And you can look at any other country, you can look at prime minister, you can look at monarch, whatever, but this is the king of kings. And this is the Lord of lords. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, now here's the thing about it. There's no one before him. Because he was from the beginning. So no one else can lay claim on Christ because there's only one Christ and he always was. But the position wasn't occupied until a baby was born. And we call him Jesus Christ because in this awesomeness, you can't separate the man from the deity. And here's what I like about it. I remember, because it was a momentous thing when, when uh, President Barack Obama became president, he was inaugurated. You know, many of us believe that we would never see a man of color, especially our color, in the White House. But I remember he made his inauguration speak and he said, I am your president. <laughs> Even though you didn't vote for me, I'm still your president. You know, and I know some of you may not like whatever president, but they're still your president. But here's Christ. He's always going to be Christ. <laughs> Whether you like him or not, he's it. He is the one. You might as well love the one that occupies the office forever. Because of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now, now here's the thing about it. And he called you friend. <laughs> Amen. I got a friend in office. Jesus the Christ. He is God, He is flesh, and He came to save me. No better friend. So of His government, there shall be no end. Of His kingdom, there shall be no end. Verse 34, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She's like, Now, I don't know biology. <laughs> but I do know this, that if I haven't known a man, then I shouldn't be having a child. So here comes another miracle. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Again, I love it because it will not originate from man. It's going to be the power and the seed of God. This is a miracle. And behold, this is and so just to confirm you a little bit more. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. In other words, there's a miracle already happening. God's already working. You're not the first that I visit. I've been busy. <laughs> And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be 
impossible. I'm, I'm sorry, but this is just exciting. This is exciting stuff here. I don't care what they call you today, but God's not finished with you yet. And what seems hopeless in a condition that you cannot get out of with God, nothing is impossible. How long had she lived with that label being barren? How many times did people say she must have upset God? But God is not in a hurry. God works in the fullness of time. And God remembered their prayers. And when the time was right. See, because they would rather have John than any other not-headed child running around just for the sake of saying, I had a boy. But because they were patient. Because they waited on... Now, here's patient for the believer. Though my ship has not come in, I still count him faithful. Here's patience for the believer. Though he slay me. Though he leaves me with this label called barren, yet will I trust him. We just got to know he's working in the fullness of time. And when the time is right, I don't care if it takes a miracle. God is going to be faithful. Who with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Now, now let's keep reading. Again, I want you to see there is there's a lot of heavenly activity going on. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but this is, this is just exciting business to me because of all this heavenly activity that's going on. I'm telling you, God is personally putting his hands on it. And the evidence is all of this heavenly, all this spiritual activity, all this power that is going on. Here it is, a child that is in the womb. She is six months pregnant. She hears the voice of Mary who is not yet pregnant. And the baby leaps and she gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Something exciting is going on. And here's the thing about it. This is not publicized at this time. This is all personal. You know, Zacharias was alone (laughs) doing his lot of incense when the angel appeared to him. It was he and Elizabeth alone who who had to believe the report of the angel and then conceive. And then when the angel came back, it was just between him and Mary. And now Mary meets with Elizabeth. So, so this is a private thing, but there's a lot of power of God going on. Hmm. Verse 41 again. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. I'm sorry. This is all about the Holy Ghost. See, the heavenlies are rejoicing 
at the entrance of the Son who will not stay a baby, but who will bring salvation to mankind. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. She just got confirmation. She didn't get a word out good. (laughs) She got confirmation. This is power. This is God power. This is God's personal hand being on this episode. I, I, I really want you to see. I want you to understand this. Okay. I really want you to understand this. I don't believe there has been such a concentration of spiritual power in one location, in one small frame of time throughout the Bible. Outside of the creation. You've got to see this. Because people, they're still under the old covenant. The time has not yet come when, yes, when Joel spoke that the days will come when the Spirit of the Lord will be poured out upon all flesh. But yet we have in a small family. Angels appearing. People being filled with the Holy Elizabeth being filled with the Holy Ghost. A baby in her womb being full of the Holy Ghost. All kinds of, because in the Old Testament, okay? Yeah, there were prophets, but don't you notice, mainly we deal with one prophet at a time in a location, in a region. Maybe one in, in, in the land of Israel, maybe one in the land of Judah, but, but outside of that, we really don't see that much concentrated activity of those who are empowered by the Holy Ghost. And we don't see this kind of angelic activity. See, God is at work. His hand is all over it. And the thing I find amazing about it is, He's not trying to make a big bang. He's just trying to get the sun in. And He's making sure His hands are personally on it. And Mary, we're not going to read through this. And you all too at your own leisure. But Mary sings a wonderful song. See, because God's not looking for the big and the large. He's not looking for uh, a mega church. He's looking for somebody who's in a storefront, who's serious and who he can trust, who he can call upon when he needs something done and get it done. It doesn't matter who knows, as long as God's hand is on it. Wonderful thing. Hmm. Look at verse 56. And Mary with her about three months and returned to her own house. Now, Elizabeth's full time came. Don't you like this timing? How it continues to say this about time because that's how God works. He knows what it takes and he's willing to wait. Now, Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered and she brought forth a son. Now, there was a big hubbub when she said, his name shall be called John. And they're like, no, no, his name shouldn't be John. Zacharias writes down, no, his name is going to be John. Verse 64, and his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. Now again, this is miracle upon miracle upon miracle. As far as they knew, he was just dumb and never would talk again. But as soon as he names the boy, 
Then a miracle happens. Like, my goodness, did you see? There was no doctor in the house. It was just God moving. And suddenly he can speak. So here's another miracle. And his mouth was open immediately and his tongue loose. And he spake and praised God. And fear came on all that dwelt around about them. And all these things were noise abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, What manner of child shall this be? I already told you. God in flesh come to save us. This is what this is about. And John was just the forerunner. See, because remember, I told you, we looked at Revelation chapter 6, just the sound of his coming is a miraculous thing. That those who have rejected him will say, kill us, because we can't stand. At the sound of his coming, here comes John, and there's miracles all around the birth of John, because he is forerunning the Savior. What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Verse 67. And his father, Zacharias, was filled. With the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. I didn't even mention the miracle of God taking the seed of David and putting it in the womb of Mary, let alone her being pregnant, but then being pregnant with the son of David. I'm telling you, God's hand is all on this. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, Oh I, oh, I love that. This is about the oath he made to Abraham. God is not forgotten. Verse 74, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou child, now I'm talking about the child that I'm about to have, that's Zacharias, and thou child shall be called the prophet of the highest. I just start through talking about the highest, but you're going to be the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And John grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Look at all the spiritual activity that's going on. God has his hands personally. Oh, and he's moving. He's putting everything in place. Now, verse 1 of chapter 2. Before we get into this, I want you to understand the birth of Jesus is all about purpose. And because of the purpose for which he came into the world, this is why God has his hands personally on it. Now, I recall I had an assignment years ago at, at the job. And this assignment called for, it was, it was a pretty big assignment at the time. 
And it called for me working with uh, different facilities that we had in different places. And it had to do with some valuable things for the customer. And I remember my manager calling me into his office and saying, okay, here's what we want you to do. And he says, uh, and you're going to have to delegate. And, you know, I'm like, okay, okay. And he says, no, no, I'm serious. <laughs> you're going to have to delegate. And I know what he's telling me. He's telling me, I know you. He's saying, you are the kind of person who will, if you can get it done yourself, you will get it done yourself. You're of the mindset, of, if you want it done right, do it yourself. And he was right. He was right. If I can do it, if I have the capability to do it, why in the world would I put it to somebody else's hand? But he said, no, this is too big. You've got to delegate. And so if I have to delegate, if I really have to, see, because I see it as an important task. So I want it done right. And if I have to delegate, I really don't want to, but if I have to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pick people that I trust. And after I pick the people that I trust, because I'm in a position to equip them, I'm going to give them every bit of equipment that they need to make it nearly impossible for them to fail. But because it's important to me, I'm going to do as much as I can to have my hands on it to make sure it goes right. And this birth is important to God. So he is making sure he's equipping these players whom he trusts with as much equipment as possible that this project does not fail. Because of the purpose for which the birth is happening. The birth of Jesus the Christ is about the fulfilling of God's promise. It's about the fulfilling of God's promise. Keep your ribbon there. Turn to the book of Titus chapter 1. I want you to see this. Titus chapter 1. This is important to God because his birth plays a role in God fulfilling a promise. Titus chapter 1. Let's read verse 1 and 2. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness and hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. God had a promise in place before the world began to deliver unto us eternal life. And so God is going to keep... Again, I love Zacharias' prophecy. Because he says it's about the oath he made to Abraham. And before he made the oath to Abraham, he already had an oath he had already made in the heavenlies to deliver eternal life. And God's, God's not just the promise maker, he is the promise keeper. And this birth plays a role in him fulfilling the promise. And it excites God to fulfill promises. That's why he's called Jehovah, the God who remembers covenant. Mm-hmm. So his birth was about the fulfilling of God's promise and it excites God to fulfill promise. The birth came so that we might know the fulfillment of the promise is on its way. 
He wasn't going to stay a baby. The entering in as a baby is about his humanity. That's how he put on flesh. But the birth was not the promise fulfilled. Do you hear me? The birth was not the promise fulfilled. It was a means to the end. Again, we established this earlier today. If God's wrath was going to be appeased, there had to be blood. But not the blood of bulls and of goats. Had to be the blood of a man. But before the blood of a man could be spilt, a baby had to be born. So, the birth was not the promise fulfilled. The birth was simply a launching point to the fulfilled promise. It's just a launching point to the fulfilled promise. Hmm. I want you to consider this. This, this is interesting to me. The birth is true. Okay? It is true. And it is according to the right time. But note that it did not fall on God's redemption calendar. Now, I know you're saying, what in the world is he talking about? God set up the feasts, and those feasts are a calendar pointing to the fulfillment of the redemption of man. Note this. He was not born at the Passover. He was not born during the feast of unleavened bread. He was not born during the feast of first fruits. He was not born during during uh, the feast of or the Day of Atonement. He wasn't born during the time or the feast of tabernacles. He wasn't born during any of those momentous occasions. He was born outside of that. Very interesting. Again, this is amazing. God has his hands all on it, but he's doing it so discreetly because he doesn't want us to stay at this baby. Because this baby eventually has to grow to a man. And he gets the chance to say the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. (laughs) Repent and believe ye the gospel. Because this baby eventually has to grow and lay his life down. He eventually has to be hung upon a cross. He eventually has to shed his blood. He's not going to stay a baby forever. See, that's why it is not such a big thing. He doesn't do great and miraculous things to make sure the whole world sees it. Because there's something else coming. See, you might never know this about his birth, but as long as you have the gospel get you into a place of his salvation, you're all right. Don't rejoice that I celebrate his birth. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Hmm. In fact, the scriptures do not record the day. And again, if God wanted to, he could. You're going to tell me he talks to Daniel and gives Daniel a specific time through Jeremiah of when the Savior would come and he couldn't give us an exact date. He could have, but he didn't. You see, he was born, (laughs) you know, that's why we debate on the date he was born, because God didn't give it to us. You know, sometimes we argue over the wrong thing. Well, I think he was born there. I think he was born there. He was born. 
We all can agree on that if we're believers. And that's all that really matters. He was born for purpose, but the birth was not the fulfilling of that purpose. He was born to die. And in his sacrifice, his dying is a sacrifice. Promises were on the way to being fulfilled. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. Hmm. Let's start at verse 7. We'll read verse 7. Through ten, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. This ain't the baby. <laughs> he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off. Out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet. It pleased. Jehovah. To bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days in the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. That, you know, that A part always gets me. Yet, it pleased Jehovah to bruise him. And remember, he was born to die. And in the sacrifice, promises were on the way to being fulfilled. It wasn't the bruises that pleased God. It was the promise fulfilled through the stripes that pleased God. Uh, you didn't get that at all, did you? When it says it pleased the Lord to bruise him, it wasn't the bruising it was the promise fulfilled through the stripes. That's what pleased him. He was pleased with what it was going to bring. It was going to bring about. It was going to be the fulfilling of promises. Eternal life was going to be delivered to you through his stripes and by his bruises. And that pleased God. That's why his blood speaks of better things than the blood of Abel. So at the birth, God had to have his hands on it. To make sure it came out right. <laughs> Amen. And I don't know about you, but, but, and this is me on my job. And some projects take a long time. They take over a year for me. And there is nothing like a project fulfilled. There's nothing like a project fulfilled. Spend all that time, spend all that effort, put all that energy. Seemed like it wouldn't start as anything. But by the time it comes and suddenly it is done, there is a fulfillment in that project being completed. And then all that we went through was worth it. So it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Not because he enjoyed the bruising. He enjoyed what the results of that bruising would bring. So God had to have his hands on this. Turn back to, to Luke. Chapter 2. Hmm. I just want to get to one point and then I'll let you go. How about that? Verse number one of chapter two says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made with 
Cyrenius was, uh, when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, again, verse one through seven gets me because here's the birth. And where's the hoopla? It's like he's born. <laughs> but all this heavenly activity was going on. And now suddenly he's born. He's just born. God is like, yeah, OK. I'm seeing this part of the project being done. And then now, now keep moving. Verse number eight. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels had gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Now, I want you to see this. So here it is. He's born. And then suddenly, angels show up to announce to shepherds that this baby was born. Why... <laughs> Do the angels approach the shepherds? Now, that's a good question. In all honesty, it, it just doesn't make it. In my study, I can't find it plain why the angels visited the shepherds. But one thing I do find interesting is that they use this terminology in, in verse number 10. And the angels said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now, now it's an interesting thing that he gets a visit from wise men, and he gets a visit from lowly shepherds. See, this is to all people. No one is excluded. Again, I can only surmise that this might be one of the reasons why the angels appeared unto the shepherd. But I also find in Scripture, shepherds, just, shepherds are, that's just a good, good vocation to have. <laughs> Because after all, he is the chief and the great 
shepherd. And so I, I can only surmise that maybe that is part of... Look at this. Keep your ribbon there. Ezekiel chapter 34. Let's run through these scriptures somewhat quickly. Ezekiel 34. 22 and 23 reads, Therefore will I save my flock, and they shall no more be a prey. And I will judge between cattle and cattle, and I will set up one shepherd over them. And he shall feed them, even my servant David. Now I'll have you to know, at the time that Ezekiel prophesied, David was buried. David was not around. So when he says he's going to set up one shepherd, even David, he can't be talking about David. He's talking about the seed. He's talking about the son of David. He's talking about Jesus the Christ. And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. Look at the gospel according to John, chapter 10. Keep your ribbon in Luke. John, chapter 10. Verse 11, here's the man talking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And in verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. If you didn't hear me the first time. And know my sheep and am known of mine. Look at this in 1 Peter chapter 2. I mean, he's, he's the shepherd. 1 Peter chapter 2. Sounds like a good profession to have. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, Who his own self bear our sins. Again, not the baby. <laughs> Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Look at this in chapter 5 of First Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. See, he is the great and the chief shepherd. Again, I can only surmise... While the angels appeared unto the shepherds who kept their watch of their flock by night. But they appeared to the shepherds and told the shepherds, go visit the child. This is a sign to you. This child is born for you and for all people. And not only that, so the question, turn back to Luke chapter 2. But not only that, then the question is, hmm. Why do the angels sing? Now, I want you to get this. Now, just think about this for a while. Angels just don't show up and sing. They just don't show up and sing. I want you to find in the scriptures where they just show up and sing. Where they appear to men and sing. And then I said something this morning. I hope you caught it. I mentioned about Gabriel. And why did Gabriel show up? Because God, because God sent him. 
Because angels can only go where God tells them to go. They can't go on secret missions. That's called rebellion. And that belongs to the fallen angels. And so if angels appear, they were sent by God to show up. You don't get this, do you? God said, it's time to sing. <laughs> God said, it's, this is what I'm saying. It was more exciting for God than it is for you. God was saying, it is partay time. Go and sing, heavenly hosts. Now, again, this is the thing that gets me. So here we have another episode where we have a miraculous appearance of an angel. This is all around the birth. And not only that, not only is there an angel, but then there's a heavenly host. Let me tell you, we're seeing angel after angel after angel after angel. We're seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost, all in a concentrated area. I don't believe there is such a concentration of angelic activity outside of the vision that Jacob had. When he saw a ladder set up between earth and heaven. And angels ascending and descending. There's never been anything like this. Because God has his hands personally on this project. And why? Because of the gospel. He sees a time when our sins and the cry of our sins are overshadowed by the blood that pleases, that washes us clean from our sin. No longer irritated, but pleased by the blood of the spotless Lamb who doesn't cover our sins, but takes away our sin. You know, I'm going to end it right there. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.